That's their real business model. They're monetizing us. When we use these sites, we're not the customer. We're the product. Welcome to Enemy of the Surveillance State, where we discuss news, tips, and open source tools to help you protect your privacy in an age of mass digital surveillance. I am your host, C. Mitchell Shaw, and this week we're going to be discussing internet porn, the effects of internet porn on you, your privacy, society, the people involved in the industry, and more. So buckle in and hang on for an episode that is packed with information this week on Enemy of the Surveillance State. So before we even get started, I want to make a couple of announcements. First, this episode deals with material that is sensitive and may be disturbing. I'm not going to be going down any salacious rabbit trails, and I don't do shock value for the sake of shock value, but I do advise listener discretion for this episode, and I do not recommend that children listen to this episode, period. Secondly, Enemy of the Surveillance State is listener supported. I don't do ads, so there are no compromises. That way, you can know that if I recommend a tool, it is because I use it and trust it, not because I was paid to say that. If you're interested in supporting the show, be sure to check out the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash enemy of surveillance. I'll put a link in the show notes. If you want to pick up some cool merch and support the show that way, I've got t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, stickers. Check out the merch line at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash E-O-T-S-S merch. I'll put that link in the show notes as well. One last thing before we get started. If you're not able to show the, sh- the program right now any financial support, if you are unable to support the show financially, especially right now with the COVID lockdown, you can still help by spreading the word. Give this show a good review on whatever platform where you listen to podcasts, whether that's iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, and tell your friends and family and co-workers about the show. Share a link to the show on social media. Friends don't let friends get spied on. Help them find the show so they can listen too. Now, I'm going to be covering a lot of information about the damage porn causes to privacy, individuals, and society in this week's episode. Please listen to the entire episode, even if you think you've heard all you need. That opening sound clip was from a kind of funny YouTube video about data mining by companies like Facebook and Google, but it applies even more to internet porn. When you drill down into the stats of porn usage, several facts become really clear. By the way, I'm going to list all of the resources I drew from for this episode in the show notes. Now, as I was saying, several things become clear when you really drill down into the stats of internet porn use. For instance, in 2013, Pornhub, one of the largest and most popular, if not the largest and most popular porn sites, had over 14 billion hits. That averages out to 1.68 million hits per hour the entire year. 
Consider that the porn that site serves up is largely high-definition video, and you begin to realize the staggering costs of operating such a website. 90% of free porn websites buy their material rather than create it themselves, meaning they've got the cost of purchasing the material that they are giving away for free. Add to that the cost of maintaining the vast number of servers required to pump out that video content and the cost of the bandwidth uh, delivering that to end users and you get a glimpse at an operation that has expenses similar to the operating costs of entire nations. And by making the content available online for free, the porn industry has seen an 80% reduction in DVD sales over the last five or six years. They have cut into their own traditional profit-making methods, but they are more than making up for it financially. In fact, porn revenue is now larger than all professional basketball, baseball, and football franchises combined. It is more than the combined revenues of ABC, CBS, and NBC. The profits are so large that the internet porn industry makes over $3,000 every second. Those profits are made from the 30 million unique internet users who view porn every second. We are five minutes and 40 some odd seconds into this episode. That times 60 seconds is how many people have viewed porn since this episode began. So, how do sites such as Pornhub make a profit above and beyond the staggering costs that I mentioned earlier? Keep in mind that the vast majority of their content is free to view in high definition. How can they dwarf professional sports and major networks by giving away high definition video content? Well, the answer is simple. They make their profits by harvesting your personal data. And it's not just your preferences for the type of porn you watch on their site either. They vacuum up your other browsing history as well. With cookies, super cookies, tracking pixels, and other methods, porn sites track you across the web. They steal your personal information and use it to create startlingly accurate profiles of your likes, dislikes, habits, character, and nature. They know your name, your address. They know your age. They know where you shop, how you pay, where you bank, where you went to school, where you work, and more. They then sell all of that off to advertisers and data brokers who combine it with other data they've gathered about you, and the picture they create of you becomes even more detailed and more accurate. And it's not just the porn sites themselves tracking users' visits. Other companies get to get in on the action, too. In a blog post entitled, Online Porn Could Be the Next Big Privacy Scandal, software engineer Brett Thomas wrote that, quote, If you are watching online porn, even in incognito mode, you should expect that at some point your porn viewing history will be publicly released and attached to your name, end quote. He went on to say, Almost every traditional website that you visit saves enough data to link your user account to your browser fingerprint, either directly or via third parties, end quote. In an analysis of Thomas's blog post, anti-porn website Fight the New Drug stated, So for example, when you click a porn video, you're not just sending a request to the porn site, what is called a first-party request, 
you're sending third-party requests to Google, to web tracking companies, and to a company called Pornvertising as well. And here's the kicker. All this happens even if you're browsing in private mode. You're also sending other data that can be used to identify your computer, such as your IP address. And as Fight the New Drug explains, the porn sites might not even be interested in saving or collecting your data at all. One major site's policy states that it, quote, does not record its unregistered, its unregistered consumers' IP addresses or activity, end quote. So, while the actual porn sites who would want to keep your business by protecting your privacy, so to speak, may not be the potential threat, it's the data brokers and web trackers that could build a detailed profile of the porn someone consumes. And it's not just anti-porn sites reporting on this tracking. TechWorm reported that measures you may be taking to protect yourself from being tracked and spied on may actually make matters worse. They stated, quote, It is a known fact that most porn surfers use dummy identities under the impression that their dummy identities will stop the porn websites from tracking them. But most porn websites use a thing called a super cookie. A super cookie is a type of browser cookie that is designed to be permanently stored on a user's computer. Super cookies are generally more difficult for users to detect and remove from their devices because they cannot be deleted in the same fashion as regular cookies. Super cookies are stored on the porn surfer's computer and send the data back to the website even after the user has switched off that site. So using a dummy profile for surfing porn is a bad idea. Furthermore, incognito or private mode browsing does not prevent tracking or spying either. It simply doesn't allow your computer to store those records on your computer. If I go to my browsing history right now on my computer, I would see all of the browsing history over the last however long since I've restarted that session or since I've dumped my browsing history or whatever, except what I've done in private mode. So if I was surfing in private mode, I could get right off of that, pop over to my browsing history, and it would show that I've not been online. There would be no browsing history at all. But that's only on my computer. Website administrators, internet service providers, and advertisers still see everything you do. TechWorm also reported that Facebook is one of the biggest spying vectors for porn websites. Most porn websites have Facebook like buttons installed on them. These are open invitations from you to allow porn sites to track your online activity. Incidentally, logging out of Facebook before surfing porn will help you lessen the tracking activity, though not stop it completely. Now, I don't actually agree with that last statement from TechWorm because I know that I get what they're saying. They're saying that if you're logged out of Facebook, it's not directly tied to your Facebook profile. But let's face it, Facebook knows your IP address. If Facebook sees that IP address from your laptop or my laptop or Bob's laptop or Cindy's laptop, Facebook knows where that traffic came from. So logging out of Facebook isn't really going to slow them down from knowing the other websites you've visited. This is one of the dangers of that stupid, ubiquitous like button on all the websites. It's also the danger of tracking pixels and super cookies because it really doesn't matter. You can log out all you want to. Your IP address is still being uh, transmitted. It's still being broadcast. Okay. 
The Independent reported on all of this, too, citing a report by Vice, which no one can accuse of having an anti-porn position. The Independent wrote, quote, Vice found that 88% of the top 500 porn websites have third-party elements stored on them that track users. But it pointed out that the porn sites themselves would only harm their own business if any of that data were ever leaked. They also said data brokers, which track browsing habits to sell to third parties, are not governed by any laws stating what can and can't be done with the data. They are not the same as hackers who could theoretically access information about memberships to porn sites. Salon, another publication with no scruples about porn, reported that the data gathered from internet porn usage could be used in other ways. Citing an article from the Financial Times on the topic, Salon wrote, quote, The details of one's visit to a porn site could be incorporated into the vast dossiers that, that internet advertising and data companies create about individuals and are used to tailor the ads and content people see, end quote. They went on to say, just imagine the possibilities. John Doe is into masseur porn. Let's make sure he sees that local spa ad. Jane Doe has watched three Bukake videos in a row. Let's target her with this banner ad for baby wipes. But reporter Emily Steele suggested an even scarier specter. A credit card company, for instance, could choose not to target ads to a person who frequently visits porn sites because they judge them to be a higher-risk customer. A gambling operation, meanwhile, could target more ads to people who spend hours visiting adult sites, considering them to have more addictive tendencies. And Forbes reported that both Facebook and Google are keeping tabs on the porn people view online. Citing a report on the subjects, Forbes stated, the report described user tracking on porn websites as endemic of the 93% of pages that were found to leak user data to a third party. They did so to an average of seven domains. In addition, 79% of the pages had a third party cookie often used for tracking. In total, the researchers quote, identified 230 different companies and services tracking users end quote, across the sites they tested. So, it's a foregone conclusion that porn equals surveillance. If you view internet porn, you are being spied on, period. And while there are measures you could take to prevent that tracking, they miss the more important point. Perhaps that more important point can be illustrated by answering this question. Why does it matter if your porn consumption is being tracked? For that matter, why does any digital surveillance matter? Now, I dealt with those questions, or that initial question, that the, the principal question there, why does digital surveillance matter? I dealt with that question in the very first episode of this show. That episode, entitled, Why Surveillance Matters Even If You Have Nothing to Hide, lays out the case that privacy is an integral part of liberty. If you've not heard that episode, you really should check it out. The premise is simple. You care about privacy because you are an individual person with certain innate and inalienable rights. You have value as a human person. That value is tied inseparably to the dignity that you are due as a human person created in the image of God. 
to be spied on as the result of the incestuous relationship between the surveillance state and nosy corporations that make up the culture of surveillance is an affront to that dignity. Let me say that again really clearly. To be spied on is an affront to your dignity as a human person. But so is porn. Consider that porn is harmful to the minds, emotions, and bodies of the women who are the subjects of the millions upon millions of films streamed every day. Ask yourself this question. Are those women, these women who are someone else's daughters, sisters, and possibly even mothers, are those women not due that same dignity? After all, what man at the birth of his daughter thinks to himself, man, I hope she grows up to be a porn star. I realize that sentiment usually gets lost in the mire of the meaning of consent. After all, the argument goes, if the woman consents, what's the problem? Okay, let's drill down into that. Ask yourself, what woman with a healthy mind, healthy emotions, and who is not financially destitute would consent to having sex with strangers while an entire film crew captures the whole intimate affair? Hmm. The stats of porn performers show that these are not healthy women. They are broken, psychologically and emotionally. A disproportionate number of them are drug addicts. Their careers complete the work of breaking them. Listen to this quote from one of their masters, Carlos or Carlo Scalisi, owner of 21 Sexuary Video. Here's what he said. Amateurs come across better on the screen. Our customers feel that. Especially by women, you can see it. They still, they still feel strong pain. Hmm. Mary Ann Layden, PhD and Director of Education at the Center for Cognitive Therapy at Perlman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania, studied the porn industry. And she wrote this. Once the porn actresses are in the industry, they have high rates of substance abuse, typically alcohol and cocaine, depression, borderline personality disorder, the experience I find most common among the performers is that they have to be drunk, high, or dissociated in order to go to work. Their environment is particularly toxic. The terrible work life of the pornography performer is often followed by an equally terrible home life. They have an increased risk of sexually transmitted diseases, including HIV, domestic violence, and have only about a 25% chance of making a marriage that lasts even three years, end quote. Her findings are confirmed by former porn performers. Porn actress Erin Moore said, The drugs we binged on were ecstasy, cocaine, marijuana, Xanax, Valium, Vicodin, and alcohol. And Tanya Burleson, formerly known as Jersey Jackson, said, quote, Guys are punching you in the face. You get ripped. Your insides come out of you. It's never ending. You're viewed as an object, not as a human with a spirit. People do drugs because they can't deal with the way they're being treated. End quote. Does that sound like consent? Is it any wonder that porn performers, let's just go ahead and stop calling them porn stars, as if there's anything glamorous about the way these poor people are treated. Is it any wonder that porn performers have such high suicide rates? Just one article should suffice to illustrate the point. 
and 2018, News.com reported five porn stars have died in the last 12 weeks alone as a crisis rocks the sex industry, with workers revealing just how badly they are treated. That article begins, L.A. sex actress Olivia Lua, 23, was found dead in a California rehab facility last week, a day after posting a somber tweet saying, quote, I feel it everywhere. Nothing scares me anymore, end quote. The young woman's death is the fifth of several adult actresses in just over two months, with fellow porn star Olivia Nova, 20, found dead earlier this month in Las Vegas. That second young woman, Olivia Nova, lay there dead for 12 hours before anyone discovered her body. Investigators found that she was suffering from an infection and had bruises on her legs from her job. A friend of the adult actress told the Mirror Online she wanted to improve her life and get sober before her death. She didn't. She never made it. The sad fact is that because the internet never forgets, the videos that portray the abuse that helped lead these young women to take their own lives, those videos are still available to be seen online. If you are among the 70% of men or nearly the same number of women who view online porn at least once a month, ask yourself this question. The last scene that I watched, was that performer already dead at her own hands when I watched that? You see, privacy matters because people matter. Porn is bad for people, and porn is bad for privacy. One of the first steps a person needs to take to protect their privacy is to stop consuming porn. Now, I don't mean for any of this to sound preachy. I get that we all have our own weaknesses and our own struggles, but there is a principle that states that liberty is intrinsically connected to self-governance. The corollary to that is that if you are not self-governed, if you will not govern yourself, if you will not govern your own most base desires, someone somewhere will seek to govern you, usually for their own purposes. Those who are interiorly enslaved are more easily exteriorly enslaved. If you value privacy, if you value the worth of the human person, don't consume porn. Enemy of the Surveillance State is written, recorded, and produced by me, C. Mitchell Shaw. Original music for the show was created and recorded by Mike Levitt. Check the show notes for a link to his website if you want to pick up some music of your own that you could actually own for your own event, say a wedding or a, a birthday or, or just anything. If you need to own a piece of music and want to have something written special for you for your own, check out Mike Levitt. He did not pay me to say that. I just think he's a great guy and he did a fantastic job on my theme music. I hope you like the theme music too. Uh, so let me say thanks for listening. I know this has been a sensitive subject, but I also believe it's a really important one, okay, especially where privacy and liberty are concerned. Be sure to check the show notes and for the resources that I used in this episode. And remember, if you're interested in supporting Enemy of the Surveillance State, check out the Patreon and Teespring links in the notes. And be sure to share the show with others because, like I said, friends don't let friends get spied on. I'll catch you next time on Enemy of the Surveillance State. Thanks for listening and take care. Mm-hmm.